Hello, everyone. You're listening to Slapdash, the podcast about history, art, science, and everything else. We're your hosts, Jason Creekmore and Shannon Deaton. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we are going to talk about one of the most polarizing issues in our society, truly an important issue worthy of a true academic discussion. Our topic for the day, professional wrestling. So across from me, from parts unknown, Shannon Deaton. Shannon, how are you, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Still trying to figure out where I'm from, though. So parts unknown, huh? They used to scare me to death. When they would say <laughs> parts unknown, you know, from parts unknown, yeah. I thought, this guy's so crazy, they don't even know where he's from. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he, he could be from anywhere. I mean, just just literally. Right. You know, cave down the street. That's right. Different yeah. country. Van down by the river. Who knows? <laughs> Nobody knows where this cat's coming from. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> so were you a big wrestling fan growing up? Uh, yes, huge wrestling fan growing up, Jason. Uh, it was always on <laughs> Monday nights. I mean, you oh, know, yeah. it was on on Monday nights. <laughs> uh, it was huge uh, in my house. Of course, I was I was the only child growing up, but I had some cousins and some sort of friends oh, there yeah. where we lived. So uh, we were big time. I don't know if, if uh, you knew that or like, you know, the greater society in America knew that. We had formed the Bethel Wrestling Foundation. <laughs> So Bethel was the name of our street or, or road, Bethel Road. Is right. what we lived on. Because, of course, it was. Right. Obviously. Perfect. Right. Yeah. So that's the only area that we had jurisdiction in. Right. It's just Bethel Road. <laughs> so we formed the, the Bethel Wrestling Foundation. And we would do some cool things. You know, we would make like wrestling belts out of cardboard and aluminum foil. You know, and this was before you could just go buy one right at oh, Walmart. Yeah. 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 You know, we had a uh, loser leave Bethel match. <laughs> we would have that. And so if you lost that one, you would always have to come back as a new character. Timmy you know? has never been seen from well, again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, you may be, you know, uh, the raging bull one right. day, right? Yeah. And then uh, like one of my cousins, I think he turned bad. He left and, and he came back and he was the El Bandito when he came back, <laughs> which, which I think is the bandit or That's whatever. Awesome, man. So he had a mask on, you know, th- those were the those were the days. And of course, you know, I had all the action figures. Oh, and, oh big time. Yeah. All the, the, the video games kind of started to become popular there in the 80s i just love those i did too my uncle actually built a, a small wrestling ring for me it was it was way nicer than any of the things you could like find at walmart the little plastic rings he legitimately took like a, just these like two befores oh, yeah. <laughs> and put it together and made and, and took these ropes and just made uh, a wrestling ring and i had all the little action figures and i would set them up and they would you know they'd jump off the turnbuckle big elbow smash you know yeah. <laughs> i had all the the chairs and the breakable tables and man it was it was so much fun <laughs> it was i remember there were some of the action figures were like maybe six to eight inches tall and oh, they yeah. were like plastic but mm-hmm. then there were others i think that was like the uh, wwf action figures that were like a foot tall and oh, they yeah. were like heavy it's like they, they were, were rubber type yeah thing. those were nicer toys I yeah, yeah. Those, those were pretty thick yeah. now did you ever have the little pillow wrestler i know they made one of like macho man hulk hogan maybe ultimate yeah, warrior you I, know what i'm talking about i know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about i did i don't think i had one of those but i know what you're talking about i though. did man yeah. I, I would punish Who'd that you have I had Macho Man. Sure you did. I absolutely did. <laughs> and uh, we had a few bouts. I showed him who the, the truest of Macho Man right. was. You know? up in there, started shaking ropes. <laughs> That's and, right. And yeah. Going all crazy. That's exactly right. I had a couple of uh, funny stories here. A couple of my uh, – well, one one is my friend. One is my cousin. I had a friend tell me the other day that uh, he actually, for on his honeymoon, that he went to uh, WCW Nitro and was on, uh, on TV. Actually got on TNT when they were doing the broadcast on his honeymoon. So that's been like years and years ago. Oh, wow. But that's what they did. That's uh, romantic. Their though. honeymoon. I mean, that's, that's what I thought. That's pretty nice. <laughs> pretty, you know, setting the bar pretty high for the rest of us. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Nothing says romance like, you know, just fighting and just, you know, mean-spirited people and popcorn <laughs> and smelly sweat. Right. That's right. That's what, 
My cousin actually uh, had an interesting story related to wrestling that happened just a few weeks ago. He drove to Jamestown, Tennessee to purchase a, a, a puppy. And on his way, he noticed there was this building off the side of the road with a big uh, marquee out front. And it said something like, tonight only, Jimmy Valiant. And and I think his his name in wrestling was uh, the Boogie Woogie Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So uh, that was kind of interesting that I was sitting at the house, you know, eating dinner one night, and he calls me and he just said, "Well, guess guess who I just passed or whatever," and he said that, and I said, "There's no way." And of course, he took a picture and he texted it to me, you know, and it was just it was hilarious. So that was sort of a blast. Oh, in the that's past awesome, too. man! Yeah, very cool. So you know, wrestling obviously is popular right now. It's, it's probably been po- more popular uh, maybe a little bit earlier on. I know UFC has probably stolen a little bit of of its thunder. Sure, but you know, during the 1940s and 1950s, professional wrestling became very popular. Popular, uh, and the face of wrestling during this time was a man named Gorgeous George. Ever heard of <laughs> ever heard of that character? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So during the 1960s and 70s, popularity declined. Uh, but in the 1980s, professional wrestling exploded as cable television became popular during the same time period. And of course, this was sort of the golden era. This is it definitely was. the time that I grew up in. Yeah, I actually watched more wrestling in the 90s, but I remember it was those 80s characters that really got me interested in it to right. start out with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, professional wrestling just went off the rails uh, in the 80s. The characters and storylines uh, became so elaborate. You know, you had wrestlers from other countries that played off of politics. You know, for instance, there was a wrestler named uh, Nikolai Volkov. Yeah. If you remember him, and he was supposed to be a, a big Soviet Union guy. And of course, this was during the Cold War. Oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you had wrestlers who would throw snakes on their opponents you know, <laughs> after, after they won. I think we're going to talk, we're gonna a, talk about that. a little more about him later. Uh, one wrestler would just throw money on his opponents. Man, I want to lose to that guy. After he won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come over here and beat me down. I'll you right. can gladly throw money on me. Yeah. And then another uh, another wrestler would uh, actually cut the hair of his opponents after he won. Oh, really? And that was yeah. that was Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and these were not even the most popular wrestlers. I know. I mean, some of the ones I just told you, none of none of them were like in the top ten or anything. Right. You know, these gimmicks were fantastic back then. Oh yeah, I mean, just purely made for TV. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and I just, I mean, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. You know, despite the detailed storylines, wrestling came down to basically the good guys and the heels. It's a lot like cartoons, yeah. you know, and, and movies we've talked about, you know, earlier. Heroes and villains. That's right. You know, you had Hulk Hogan, obviously, you know, an example of that, you know, good guy. And then you had characters like Nikolai Volkov, I just mentioned a few moments ago, you know, being a bad guy. Uh, and then every once in a while, someone like Ric Flair mm. would come along who sort of appealed to both sides. Yeah. So I thought that's kind of kind even of when he was a bad guy, it was it was hard to not like Ric Flair. Oh yeah, because you just love the woo, you yeah. know, and all that. You just absolutely loved it. You <laughs> to know? this day, man, I just it's it's great. Yeah, and of course, wrestling was really you know again popular in the eighties, but in the sixties and seventies, it was much more regionalized. You know, right? So you had uh, different television networks and different audiences, and not everyone across the nation knew the same wrestlers. You know, you had right. some in the Northeast, you had some in the South, you had some in the Midwest, and 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 wrestling was a very regionalized type of thing. But by the late seventies, that started to kind of go away, and then obviously by the eighties, uh, with the advent of, of uh, cable television, that helped make wrestling sort of a, a nationwide sport where everyone had access to kind of the same folks because cable television uh, was. Was available everywhere, and they were showing the same things. Yeah, some of the some of the regional wrestlers actually went on like and during that sort of transition period. Yeah. 
some of them were really big in the regional, but then they also kind of blew up when they when they got sort of nationwide. Right. Most of them didn't, but but there were a few. And then obviously, like the, the uh, Jimmy Vallant we just talked about, that's sort of an example, uh, yeah. uh, you know, there. You know, and over the decades, there were several wrestling organizations like the AWA, uh, NWA, and WCW, but none of them were as successful as the WWF, which is now called the WWE, which, of course, stands for World Wrestling Entertainment. During the third quarter of 2019, WWE's revenue was over $186 million just for that three-month span. Wow. And, of course, Vince McMahon is the CEO of WWE, and he has a net worth of $2.5 billion, with a B, billion dollars. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me a bit, man. He, he's uh, he's a wealthy guy, and he, <clears throat> he, he probably deserves it. He's too. a promoter. He's, he's done a lot. Yeah. He's a promoter. And an interesting point about Vince McMahon's wife, uh, Linda McMahon, is that she was appointed by President Trump as the administrator of the Small Business Administration and served about a year and a half in that role. No, I didn't know As that. I was doing research, I, I had no idea that was the case. Huh. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Another Another interesting fact is that at this very moment, Shannon, as we are recording this episode, the 2020 Royal Rumble is going on live. Man, so what are we doing here? I don't have, I have no <laughs> idea. And that wasn't even planned, to be quite honest. No. But the stars aligned for it that. It worked one. out. Yeah, yeah. So even as we're talking about wrestling, the Royal Rumble's going down. That's right. I, I think more people would rather be watching or listening to this, honestly. You know, I think. Uh, <laughs> Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Royal Rumble it may get eight or ten viewers. Yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. it's you know, it pales in comparison to the listeners of this particular podcast. Episode. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> For our listeners, this is our 20th episode of Slapdash, and of course the year is 2020. So what better way to celebrate the number 20 with a countdown of the top 20 most popular wrestlers of all time? So Shannon, can you tell us a little bit about sort of uh, how we organize that? Yeah. So we started out by choosing 20 of the wrestlers who have sort of appealed to us over the years, 20 who were popular for their times, those who we followed when we were younger and just were very interested in, and from there, we put all of them into a survey monkey, a survey online, notified our listeners that the survey was available, sent it out on social media, and we just sat back and, and watched the sparks fly, <laughs> you know, just to just to see everything pan out. And, and one interesting thing, Shannon, is that, you know, over the past week when we had that survey monkey up, I've had like several people that would come to me and, and say things like, you know, hey, how's that poll going or what are the results? <laughs> or I see, you know, like I, I had a couple that said, I can't believe so-and-so wasn't on the top 20. Oh, yeah. You know, I wrote them in. You know, there was a little bit of engagement uh, yeah. in on this one. That, that's why that we gave the write-in option, you know, right. for, on this particular we survey. Knew, we knew the ones we selected wouldn't necessarily appeal to everyone. We chose some of those sure. that were the most popular for their times. But certainly they're those that we left out, but we're we're going to give a nod to those That's here right. in just a little bit. So in total, there were about 400 votes tallied. Uh, so, you know, all, all sorts of different responses coming in. And uh, I think we'll go ahead and mention some of the write-ins, some of those who didn't quite make the list, but who sure. we want were, to acknowledge, were popular. Yeah, that, yeah. We want to acknowledge everyone who took the time to, to do that. That's so, right. Yeah, so here, here are the write-ins. So we have Booker T, Rikishi. Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler. Now, that was one that probably should have made the top 20, probably in, should in my have. opinion. But yeah, yeah. That, that cropped up in a few of the yeah. facts we'll share here in a little bit. Jesse the Body Ventura. That's a big one. Adrian Adonis. Nick Bockwinkle. Ray the Crippler Stevens. Flying Jimmy Snuka. Oh, yeah. Mick Foley. Yeah, he probably should have been in there. I was actually asked <laughs> about that. They said, how did you not have Mick yeah. Foley? And I was like, because I'm not perfect. That's why. <laughs> 
that was an egregious error we want to atone for. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the I Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. Yep. Kevin Nash, Rey Mysterio, Diamond Dallas Page, better known as DDP. That's right. Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, I, I kind of caught some flack on that. One. I heard about this. I, I had someone that basically kind of called us out on, you know, how can you create a list and not have Dusty Rose? And I want to be honest, probably an oversight. Dusty Dusty should have been on there. I like Dusty. He's the American dream, Shannon. Listen, I tried to get him on there. Jason was adamant that he not be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> he came in at 21. That's right. Oh, goodness. All right. Blackjack Mulligan, uh, the boogie woogie man, Jimmy Valiant, that you Very, mentioned earlier. He's also in, uh, in Jamestown, Tennessee. Sure is. Kevin Von Eric. Uh, Kenny Omega, the Junkyard Dog. Uh, that was me. Was that you? <laughs> I, I wrote in the Junkyard Dog. So if it makes the the uh, listeners feel any better, I actually not even you didn't even get your. Way, I didn't right? get my way. No, I had I had to write in the Junkyard Dog. Uh, Tommy Wildfire Rich and my wife has the right in of China, the ninth wonder of the world. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's pretty cool. So good stuff. That's right. So in terms of the the uh, the 20 who were on the list, so I think now what we're going to do is basically just have a count up, I guess, that we'll start on number 20, and then we'll go all the way up to number one, have some interesting facts about those folks, and maybe even listen to a little bit of music that they have. I'm most excited about there that There you part, go. I think. All right. So number 20, based on all the votes, is actually the defending heavyweight champion, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is a mountain of a man, standing uh, six foot three and weighing two hundred and eighty-five pounds. He's from Webster, South Dakota, and Shannon, in my opinion, he actually looks like a steroid. <laughs> if I had to think, you know, what does a steroid look yeah. like? Not like the actual medicine, but like <clears throat> if it were to take human form, right. I think it would be Brock Lesnar. He's a, he's a Hulk, man. He is a big, thick, muscled up dude, man. He, he may be the biggest guy on this list in terms of just muscles and, and raw strength. Yeah, I mean, he, he just looks like a brick house. He doesn't really look human in some ways. Yeah, he's 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 something else. It's like somebody just puffed him up with air. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's he's a monster. He's, he is absolutely huge, and his finishing move, the F five. Yeah, yeah. So pretty cool. At number nineteen is Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle weighs in at 220 pounds, standing 5'10". He is from Mount Lebanon Township, Pennsylvania, famous for his finisher, the ankle lock. Do you recall this, Jason? I remember whenever he first entered into the WWE, he would always snap this. Uh, well, I say snap, but he would he would put this ankle lock on folks. And for a time, it was like something that was inescapable, just the worst. <laughs> yeah, you like, know. It's over. It's over. Yeah, it, it was over once the ankle lock was yeah. on. Now, famously, Angle won a gold medal in freestyle wrestling at the 1995 World Wrestling Championships. He then won the freestyle wrestling gold medal at the 1996 Summer Olympics. So whenever he was saying, you know, I'm an, an Olympic gold medalist, he was correct. He, he was really legit, was, right? not just part of the gimmick. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that is pretty cool. At number 18, we have Randy Orton.
Horton is from Knoxville, Tennessee, so so pretty close, Shannon. Uh, he goes – he's a small guy. He goes 6'5", 250. Oh, is that all? 6'5"? That, 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 that's it, yeah. Puny guy. Kind of – yeah, bless his heart. <laughs> yeah, 6'5", 250. Uh, he has won uh, multiple championship belts, and I say one in quotation marks. Uh, but, <laughs> now, but why he, would you do that? Uh, I don't know. And But but <laughs> but he has won several championship belts over his career, and his finishing move is the RKO. I love it. Yeah, RKO. Number 17 is Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake the Snake is also a small guy, standing just at a measly six foot six, uh, 249 pounds. He's from Gainesville, Texas, with his finisher, the DDT. Now, this is one that's put a lot of guys in the hospital, <laughs> like for real. I would be scared to lose to him just because I would know what you know, what was happening, right? Like you're going to wake up with a big snake right. on, with a big snake on you. <laughs> and I remember he would carry it around in that bag, and God, yeah. that just terrified me. I remember thinking, I know it's in there. That's you right. Know, it, it, it's coming out. As and you soon can't as you, fake that. I mean, that may have been you know, the best trained snake in the world, but at the end of the day, it's, it's still, a snake. It's a snake. Yeah, that's right. And I really had a had a hard time believing that they would find wrestlers that would allow that to happen to them at the end. You know, there must yeah. be a lot of money and I want to see the snake's mouth. I want to see a lot of stuff before I'm going to, before I'm going to agree to this. <laughs> yeah, I have a really interesting story about that, but we're going to save it for later. It, uh, it it definitely involves Jake the Snake, but it more so involves a person a little bit lower on the list. So more about that in just a little bit. But like you said, yeah, Jake would bring a boa constrictor into the ring and it had a name and that name was Damien. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I, f- I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. What so, a lovely name. Yeah. Oh, it just you know just just cries out just <laughs> niceness. You know. So uh, he also sometimes would use uh, not the boa constrictor but a devenomed cobra named Lucifer. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> so, now, I, I, don't, I don't recall that. No, I don't either. He he must have had more of a, a limited application. I I think of the two. I. <laughs> If I had to have one just, just you know, sitting on my face when the match was over, probably the boa constrictor. Oh, yeah. I know it's just something about a cobra defanged or not that just is, <laughs> no. is creepy, man. Yeah, there's no way I'm, I'm dealing with a cobra. Yeah, that's that's crazy. At number 16, John Cena. <laughs> And Shannon actually thought Cena would be a little bit higher on the list, you know, higher than 16. But what are you going to do? That's yeah. how the voters That's how the voters voted. Uh, Cena is 6'1", 250 pounds. And he looks like a linebacker that you would create like on a Madden game. He's a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is a, He's a re- stout guy. He is a really big dude. Uh, he grew up in West Newberry, Massachusetts. And his finishing move is the attitude adjustment. Oh yeah, <laughs> the attitude adjustment. <laughs> I like and it. and there's also a very comical YouTube uh, soundbite where someone's trying to convince uh, some some poor lady to purchase like a a pay per view of John Cena, and it's it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> At number fifteen is Kane. Kane weighs in at 320 pounds and is billed as being seven foot tall. So I think thus far that the biggest guy on this list. And, you know, we jokingly mentioned the the heights being small, but really there aren't a, a lot of very small people 
on this list. I mean, to be a professional wrestler, as with most sports, it, it typically you know involves being a, a larger person. Now, of course, there are some smaller ones, but uh, yeah, Kane standing in at seven foot, he, he's definitely one of the bigger wrestlers who is on this list. He was born in Spain. He is famously billed as being the brother of The Undertaker. You right. might remember this. Oh, yeah. Of course, they're not actually related in, in real life, but as far as the story of the WWE goes, yeah, there's an interesting history there, and I watched this play out in the in the nineties. A lot of a lot of fun stuff going on there. His finisher is the choke slam. I've also seen him <laughs> do the the tombstone pile driver, which is uh, his brother's finisher, oh, the Undertaker. Yeah. Now, Kane's real name is, is not Kane. Surprisingly, <laughs> it's not. It's not. No, it's uh, Glenn Thomas Jacobs. So uh, he has went by other ring names, which include Isaac Yankum DDS, where he was a dentist. Oh my gosh, that was that's I, I remember that name. Yeah, yeah, sure enough. Uh, he also went by the Christmas Creature. So <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> I think this one was a little bit shorter run. He was still a masked guy, and I hadn't seen the Christmas Creature in a while, so I googled <laughs> him. He just looks like a big, big green wrapping. Uh, you know, a present that's been wrapped. He's he's got like red bows on him. He wears a mask. <laughs> this is when those gimmicks were at their all time high. Man, you had a gimmick for everything, yeah, yeah. and of course, Christmas needed to to be scary. <laughs> Christmas need, Christmas needed the creature. Right? <laughs> that's right. Here's something I didn't know, and I found very interesting. Probably one of the most fascinating facts on this list. Glenn Jacobs, the character of Kane was elected mayor of Knox County, Tennessee in 2018. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's crazy. How cool it? is that, yeah. man? Now, I don't know what his campaign is, but <laughs> if he didn't, you know, bill himself as Kane and just have that mask, oh, you have to talk to. about, you know, just burning down the competition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he missed an opportunity there. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And number 14, Goldberg. Goldberg is from Tulsa, Oklahoma. He is 6'4", 265 pounds, and he actually was a linebacker, uh, just a tremendous athlete. And in my opinion, Goldberg had maybe the best insane look on the market. He did, yeah. I mean, that music would start up, and he would come out, and he's like sort of like yapping and making this weird noise. and <laughs> It's kind of like a march, you know. He's just – Yeah. Uh, oh, he, he was just he was just incredible. And, of course, his finishing moves – really, he had two. Uh, the spear, where he would just sort of get oh, yeah. like in a three-point stance and just so like a football player and just drill you. And then, of course, he had the jackhammer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember when he was in WCW uh, originally – that he was on the streak. I don't know if you remember. It was like Goldberg was like, uh, you know, 80 and 0, 81 and 0, yeah. you know, and I, I don't know how far it went. And I, I can't remember who ended the streak, but I just remember there would be a T-shirt printed a week <laughs> because you always had to constantly update that stat. <laughs> That's a th- I'd forgot about that, but yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was fun for a while. Yeah. At number 13, Bret Hart. Bret Hart actually is one of the smaller guys on this list. He's six foot oh, two hundred and thirty-five pounds from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And his finisher was the sharpshooter. This was a submission move. And he was one of the most iconic wrestlers that I remember growing up in the nineties. And he was one of the few people who could pull off pink. I just remember he and his oh, entire yeah. family, the Hart Foundation. I don't know if you recall, there was oh, Owen yeah, Hart. Absolutely. Um, and I think his brother in law was the British Bulldog. Yep. And another uh, 
honorable mention, yep. I guess, to this list. Jim the Anvil Neidhart. I don't know yep. if you remember him. Uh, but, yeah, they would just all come out, and they were wearing flaming pink colors. <laughs> you know, and it was just – it was uh, – But it worked he could pull because it off. they could – yeah, they could really wrestle. I mean, the, a lot of fans liked uh, liked them. Absolutely. He, he was a fan favorite. One thing I remember uh, as a kid is he would always take off his shades. You know, he wore these oh, mirror, yeah. mirror frame shades whenever he got to the ring, and he would hand them to somebody in the audience, you know, usually a, a young kid, and they put them on, and that just – was the best point of their day. Right. I'm oh, sure. absolutely. Yeah. You know, not not to mention all the, the sweat that was probably caked behind those glasses, you know. <laughs> so, but it was all good. Now, Brett had a real-life dispute with Vince McMahon. Uh, this has been very famous. Oh, you, yeah. You may recall this. It was following a championship match with Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series 1997. So, Brett was forced to lose the match to Shawn Michaels, but he didn't have prior knowledge that he was going to lose until the match was actually underway. Now, Brett had accepted a contract from WCW, and he was getting ready to leave the organization, but he was also the current title holder in WWE. Right. So Vince McMahon obviously wanted him to drop the belt before he left. Brett didn't want to do that. So famously, he didn't want to relinquish the title. Vince McMahon worked out a secret arrangement with the referee, and this isn't just storyline. This really like happened. This really happened. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he worked out the secret arrangement with referee to declare that Brett had tapped out after being locked in the sharpshooter by Shawn Michaels. Brett did not tap out. And it sort of added insult to injury because this was Brett's signature move. You know, <laughs> right. Shawn Michaels put him in the move. He had no knowledge, uh, you know, that he was going to lose the match. He thought he was going to win and maybe drop the, the belt later or something like that. Or, or he was going to be disqualified from this match. Or, or there was something else that was worked out to where he would not lose. But he lost. The referee signaled for the belt. And that was it. Shawn Michaels picked up the belt. And following the match, Brett went to the back. He confronted Vince McMahon. He spat in his face. And uh, he supposedly uppercutted him and knocked him unconscious. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And that, that now, I wasn't happened. aware of that part. But, uh, but yeah. the, the other, the whole storyline, yeah, that's that's probably one of the biggest stories in, in wrestling that's like true. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Th- that's right. Yeah. And, and I think there was more than meets the eye there. There was a lot of tension because previous to this, you might recall that Owen Hart, Brett's brother in real life, actually yeah. passed away. Yeah. He was playing a character called the Blue Blazer. Yep. And the Blue Blazer's gimmick was uh, such that he would descend from the rafters of, of the building and he was at uh, a taped event and he was descending from the rafters. You know, the, the cord cut or, or the safety harness wasn't attached. I don't know the exact details, but he, he fell to his death. And Brett very much blamed Vince for that because Owen did not want to do that. And he'd, he'd gone on record a few times saying that he didn't want to do that. So this sort of added insult to injury where he dropped the match. But, yeah, that's Brad Hart, certainly one of the more famous wrestlers from the, from the 90s. At number 12, we have The Ultimate Warrior. The Ultimate Warrior was from Scottsdale, Arizona, and he was 6'2", 280. I mean, now that's that's some that's that's some pretty impressive numbers there. He was all muscle. He was all muscled up. Yeah, six two two eighty. And of course, his big thing was the the face paint, and he had the ties on his arms, you know. <laughs> and he was just pure energy. I he mean, was. I mean, he looked like that he had drank a dozen Red Bulls before each match. And as soon as 
His music would kick in. You know, there was no strut. There was no, no I want to. It was a dead sprint the moment the doors were open, <laughs> yeah. straight to the ring. He shook every, you know, every rope that he could. His opponents were like, oh, my good Lord, what's this guy on? You know, and he would get in the ring, and then it was just on. I just unbelievable. they had him tied up in the back somewhere, you know, just waiting for the music to kick in. They'd unleash him like a rabid dog. He'd just descend down that ramp, and it was just – Oh, he would just go to town. He would just go nuts. I used to wonder, like – you know, when he would go through like a drive through like how, how he would even order food. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, would he just shake the, he would just sort oh, of man, shake I, the menu? So. <laughs> he just seems so intense at all times, man. Like, yeah. golly. And of course, his finishing moves, he had the gorilla press, which I, I distinctly remember that. Oh, yeah. And then he had the running splash, and then that would finish right. him off there. So, yeah. The ultimate warrior, definitely one of a kind. At number 11, we have Andre the Giant. Jason Andre was probably a literal giant. He he was five hundred and twenty pounds, standing seven foot four. Can you imagine? <laughs> okay, this? He, okay, he wins. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a big guy. He is from uh, or was from Grenoble, France, and he had a few finishing moves. Uh, this was kind of during a time when finishing moves weren't necessarily finishing moves. You know, he just had a, a series of things he would do because he was seven foot tall and 500 pounds. <laughs> and he could do whatever he wanted to do. And he could do. pretty much do whatever. So he had an elbow drop pin. So he would just kind of fall on his opponent <laughs> and, and pin him. And yeah, that, that'd do it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> right. He had a, a sit down splash again. He'll sit yep. on you, and that'll do it. And you're not getting up. And you're not getting up. And then an underhook suplex. So that kind of rounds out his finishers. His real name was Andre Rene Rusimov. So interesting. Here, here's a neat story. When Andre turned 14, he left home and started to seek employment and opportunities outside of his rural farm community. He, he lived in France. Uh, so he left home at 14. And at 19, five years later, uh, he hadn't seen his family since then. He actually literally left at 14, went out to seek employment, came home at 19, and he visited his, uh, his parents for the first time. And during these five years, <laughs> he had already been doing some wrestling work. Okay. But if you can stop to think for a minute, the, the growth spurt. Yeah. <laughs> that probably I, I, occurred. I would imagine he, that he grew probably more than one inch during those five oh, years. Oh, man. He, he completely changed. And according to a 1981 Sports Illustrated profile, Andre had grown so dramatically, you know, in the time in between he left and when he came back, stretching to nearly seven feet tall, that his parents didn't even recognize the stranger who knocked on the door. They had no idea who he was. And Andre explained his career choice to his parents. He said, I'm in professional wrestling now. And then all of a sudden they realized they had been watching him on television wrestle under his name, Jean Ferre, without ever knowing they had been watching their own son. No way. Yeah. So they were watching him and did not know that was their son. They had son. no idea. And, I, you know, I can't imagine how that's the case, but I suppose, you know, if you grow three feet, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Add on maybe two, 300 pounds, you know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Andre the Giant, big guy, biggest on the list. At number 10, we have Triple H. Giant. Triple H is from uh, Nashu, New Hampshire, 
and he is six foot four, two hundred and fifty five pounds, and he was very popular in the Attitude Era, you know, oh, yeah. uh, of of the uh, WWE, and uh, particularly in the nineties. You know, he was he was pure Attitude. That was all he was. Uh, you know, a lot of people kind of were drawn to him, much like they were drawn for the same reasons to like uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Right. We'll we'll talk about later. And and of course, his finishing move was the Pedigree. I think that's kind of a cool name oh, for, yeah. for a finishing move. <laughs> and I remember Triple H uh, whenever he first came into the the WWE. WWE, then WWF. Uh, so his name was Hunter Hearst Hemsley, right? And he came out and he was kind of this uh, aristocrat kind of guy. And he he went through these, um, you know, rolling up his, his cuff links and all this sort of thing. <laughs> but Triple H was a much different guy. Yeah, he was a different dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So at number nine, we have Shawn Michaels. So, Jason, that theme music is so iconic. <laughs> Just, you know, obviously Shawn Michaels is um, infatuated with himself in really? this song. You think so? <laughs> right. But uh, he, he was very successful during his time in the WWE. He was 225 pounds, standing at six foot one. He was uh, born in Chandler, Arizona, and his famous finishing move was Sweet Chin Music, the super kick. <laughs> you might remember this. He would knock his uh, opponent down in a corner, and he would walk to the other corner while they were kind of staggering to get up because <laughs> you couldn't just jump back up in professional wrestling, right? There was always this haze that fell right. off. Where, you where am I? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Mama, is that you? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, bam. Yeah, so so uh, Sean would stand at the other turnbuckle, and he would just start stomping his foot. <laughs> you know, and the crowd would get behind him. They would get on his feet, and they'd start cheering and going on. And I, I just remember uh, Jerry Lawler saying, "He's warming up the band." You know? <laughs> with with a tear coming down. That's right. So whenever his opponent would stand up, you know, he would fly in and give them this kick right underneath their chin. They'd fly, you know, a foot off the ground, and uh, yeah, they they were pretty much un- unconscious <laughs> after that. Shawn Michaels' real name uh, was Michael Shawn Hickenbottom. So. Not not as sexy. Okay. <laughs> so, he's going to change something. Right? He's got to he's got to change something. Yeah. Now he he was a co-founder and original leader of the stable D Generation X, and you were just talking about yep. Triple H. So I remember a time when when Triple H and Shawn Michaels were were teamed up for DX. Man, you you couldn't go anywhere without seeing these T-shirts and and people throwing the, the DX signs. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a very interesting <laughs> time in uh, professional wrestling history. At number eight, we have Sting. Sting went six foot two, two hundred and fifty pounds, and he hails from Omaha, Nebraska. So when you think Sting, I just don't think Omaha, Nebraska for some reason. No. <laughs> for yeah. some, I don't know why, <laughs> uh, but I don't. But like the Ultimate Warrior, Sting had you know the face paint and, and was a fan favorite. Uh, very athletic dude, and was very popular in the eighties, uh, probably the late eighties, and then all the way through the nineties. He went through a couple of different you know phases yeah. uh, with the uh, Scorpion Deathlock sort of being his. His, oh, yeah. uh, submission hold there, but but he did kind of his character sort of transformed over time. They did. I, I remember uh, he also was lowered from the rafters at one time in WCW. He came back as uh, the Crow version yep. of 
have Sting, yep. and I think that's the theme music we listened to, where he painted his face black and white. Did he did he join the NWO at, at one point? I believe the so. New World Order? Yeah, I think so. And then whenever he transitioned over to the other one, see the the original NWO Hollywood was like black and white. Yeah. But then you had the black and red, which were the NWO Wolfpack. The, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. We're separate. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're different. They're different. But yeah, I remember Sting very fondly. Cool guy. At number seven, we have Rowdy Roddy Piper. Man, those bagpipes, though. (laughs) (laughs) They're definitely unique. We'll go with that. Piper was one of my favorites. I I voted for him in the top ten because, to me, it's like he wasn't – it's like he was just sort of a rowdy dude that just happened to be in a wrestling ring. <laughs> right. You know, it, it wasn't he's he didn't fit the mold necessarily. He was just sort of mean and rowdy, and that's yeah. kind of who he was. Yeah, it's it's interesting you said that because I have the exact same take on uh, a Roddy Piper. He he just seemed like an ordinary guy. That's what was so interesting about him. He was six foot two, two hundred and thirty pounds, so just sort of average build for a wrestler. But yet he he gained massive popularity, and uh, part of this was due to his gimmick. He was actually voted WWE's greatest bad guy ever. Really? So, yeah, a lot of people yeah. were, were really into that. I love the T-shirt that he had. They just said Hot Rod, I think, on oh, it yeah. or whatever, and those colors, sort of like a yellow and red. Yeah. And, of course, he had the kilt you right. know, that he would wear and everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I really I really liked him. Yeah, definitely. He uh, he was from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. He, his finisher was the sleeper hold, and that kind of uh, was a scary thing for me when I was a kid. You know, I, I – couldn't wrap my head around a, a literal finishing move that would put you to sleep. <laughs> I mean, I, I could get down with with the DDTs and the power slams and all this right. kind of stuff. When it came to a literal move that just knocked you unconscious by <laughs> squeezing your head so tightly, that was kind of scary to me. That seemed a bit much, even for professionals, right? That's right. Even yeah. for professional wrestling. Yeah. So Rowdy Roddy Piper, definitely one of my all-time favorites. At number six, we have the nature boy, Ric Flair. And Shannon, that theme music—that's just awesome. Woo! Yeah, I mean, he's just ready to go. You <laughs> yeah. know, he's a Cadillac riding, you know, jet jet riding, jet flying, sixteen-time champion. <laughs> uh, he does not lack self-confidence. Not a bit. That hair too. <laughs> that I mean, hair. It's just, well, I, I <laughs> just mean, going out everywhere. It, just, it's the stuff that poets write about. Oh, honestly, yeah. I mean, that it's, hair. It's glorious. It is absolutely <laughs> glorious. <laughs> And he he definitely means what he says. Uh, you know, his interviews were second to none. Oh yeah, you know? <laughs> and he was one of these that honestly, uh, with with a flair coming in at number six, that really surprised me. I thought he was a lock for top five and probably top three. Yeah, I could see him taking it all when we first made this list. Yeah, so, because yeah. I mean, you know, Flair is one of those wrestlers that people still reference sure. today, uh, and he kind of appealed to both sort of the, the good guy fan and then kind of the heel fan. Uh, he was actually born in Memphis, Tennessee, and as far as size, was a little bit smaller than some of the other wrestlers. He was uh, 6'1", 245 uh, you know, during his, his wrestling days. 
But you know, like I mentioned earlier, nobody, and I mean nobody, gave an interview like Ric Flair. I mean, just a- absolutely high-level entertainment. No one had a better strut. That exaggerated strut. You know, that people talk about the oh, Conor yeah. McGregor strut. Have absolutely. you seen that? Yes. That's a good strut. I'm not going to lie. Right. It's a high-quality strut. It's not Ric Flair. <laughs> Nothing compares no, to Flair, man. <laughs> it's not Ric Flair. And his finishing move was the submission uh, hold, the figure forward leg lock. Oh, yeah. And I remember he would make this sort of circle you know, kind of a motion with his hand in the air, and then he would... Uh, People would go wild Oh, they just go nuts. For that. Yeah, they now, just go nuts. That move actually hurts. Now, did, have you ever had the figure oh, four Lord. locked onto you? This week? <laughs> yeah. We used to... I, I mean, I, I have applied the figure four to multiple family oh, members. Yeah. I've had it applied to me. You know, we've all made each other t- you know, tap out. Right. Yeah, you could, you, could, you could really hurt somebody if you like... Really laid back yeah, and, and did yeah. it just right. Yeah, that that hold actually works. <laughs> it, it does, and you know so, some of those moves are make believe. Like Mick Foley had the mandible claw, where he would just <laughs> stick his fingers down your mouth, and apparently that was well, that was kind of wild animal. <laughs> that would that would make you foam at the mouth and go unconscious. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the figure four is a legit thing. Oh uh, yeah, my buddies and I, just like you said, we would uh, lock lock that in. That hurts. I mean, that you hurts can, big you can time. Cause some pain with yeah. the figure four. I had to leave Bethel one time because of that. <laughs> right. And you came back as I can't. I can't even remember Sasquatch Joe. Probably, probably. <laughs> At number five, we have The Rock. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. So, Jason, what was The Rock cooking? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I, I, I don't know. Uh, he asks that a lot. Yeah. I don't know. But I think that's the question to be answered. But I'm just not quite sure I know. I always thought like a, a fine cooker of spaghetti or something <laughs> I like that. Sp- I know? like spaghetti. <laughs> you know what's crazy about The Rock is that, I mean, obviously when I think Rock, I mean, even today with, with me being as old as I am, I don't think wrestling. I mean, I think movie stars. That's right. I yeah. really do. And so I think definitely younger people don't mm-hmm. really automatically associate him uh, with with professional wrestling. I mean, right. it's, it's much more movie star. Uh, and obviously, I was you know growing up, and well, I was a little bit older, obviously. But I mean, but I remember him being a, a wrestler. But I don't really just when I when, when I hear the term rock, and, and I mean that's who we're talking about. I automatically think movie star. I yeah. don't think professional wrestler, although he was massively popular. I always think uh, here lately of Maui. From Disney's Moana movie. <laughs> You're welcome. That's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the Rock was six foot three, two hundred thirty six pounds. Uh, he hailed from Hayward, California, and of course, his finishing move was the legendary Rock Bottom. That's exactly right. <laughs> he also had the People's Elbow, which I love. The People's Elbow. I love the name. Yeah, that's probably my favorite name. He would. <laughs> The people's Because he was the people's champ. It's like, yeah, it's right. like this elbow. It's not mine. It's for you. It's your elbow. I'm just going to use it. He riffed on that a lot. If somebody would like step on his toe, he'd say they've stepped on the people's toe. <laughs> you know? uh, but his real name is, is Dwayne Douglas Johnson. You know, his middle name's not The Rock. I, I would have thought so, you know. Uh, because I, you hear him a lot in media called Dwayne the Rock Johnson, right? Yeah. right? But uh, yeah, his middle name's Doug, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Uh, his father, Rocky Johnson, was also a professional wrestler, and uh, he just he just passed away I, I re- recently. I read that just just not long ago, right? Yeah. Just a couple weeks ago, yeah, maybe, just, or a few days just ago, very or recently, yeah. and that kind of spurred uh, me to go on YouTube and look up some of his matches. And if you go on there, you can find a clip 
where he's wrestling and uh, in the audience is The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. He, he looks to be like 11 or 12 years old. Really? Yeah, and he has this awesome afro. I mean, it's That's just awesome. it's fantastic. Not only was his father a professional wrestler, also his grandfather, Peter Maivia, was a professional wrestler. Oh, I didn't know that. As well, yeah. Uh, he's also related to other professional wrestlers, and I didn't know about all these. He has a few cousins in the business, and I guarantee at least one of these might surprise you. One of his cousins is Yokozuna. Oh, wow. So you might recall yeah. Yokozuna. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, he was billed as being like a sumo wrestler. Right. Right. Yeah. He was a very interesting. Yeah. Uh, another one, Rikishi, is one oh, of his yeah. cousins. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And uh, a wrestler named Umaga. So huh. he, he has several I had no idea. in the business. That's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So Dwayne The Rock Johnson, man, he's, he's well connected. At number four, we have Hulk Hogan. Shannon, Hollywood Hulk Hogan is a real American hero. <laughs> He'll fight for what's right. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard that? I, I think he fights <laughs> for the rights of, of not just a few men, but of every man. That's what I've heard. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I remember watching that as a kid, and you would see, like, you know, uh, women in, in the stands just start crying. <laughs> <laughs> when, that, when that song would, would kick on and, and here he would come, I mean, it was just, it was pandemonium, yeah, yeah. as they say. Hulkamania. Hulkamania. Run, run wild. Run, <laughs> run wild. Brother. I always like when he talks, I always like when he talked to, is it Gene Okerlund, I think, oh, was yeah, the announcer. Oh, yeah, and he go, Gene. Yeah, he goes, let me tell you, brother. <laughs> That's right. You know? and it was always funny. He'd, he'd kind of stand there. I remember when he'd give his promos, he'd stand there with his kind of his back to the, the oh, microphone and there'd be Mean Gene and he'd be like, so, so Hulkster, tell us what you're going to do. <laughs> And he'd just turn around just all of a sudden in a frenzy with his wild look in his eyes. He'd say, listen here, brother. <laughs> and I remember that he, was, he would say stuff about vitamins. Kids, take your vitamins. I remember, you know, there was a couple of times he, was, he would say stuff yeah. like that. He, he was something else. He was else. just an authentic guy. He, he, yep. Here's a funny thing. Back when I was a very young kid, because Hogan's been around for a long time. Yeah, Hogan actually started in the late 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was, I, was in early, I was in early elementary school when I first heard about Hogan. And I... Wasn't watching wrestling in, in like the late 80s at that point just yet, but I do remember that my friends who were were, were drawing pictures of Hulk Hogan, <laughs> and I had seen him, and the thing is that wrestling was so big around that time, it was so just, just everywhere, that even though I didn't watch it, I had a vague sense of who he was, but the funny thing is, though, I didn't know his name was Hulk Hogan. Uh, I saw him on a commercial or something like that. I thought his name was Hogo Hogan. Hogo Hogan. Hogo Hogan. I have no idea where that came from, but <laughs> I, like I remember it. it to this day because they were drawing this picture of Hulk Hogan and they asked me. Maybe they misspelled you know, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were like, you know, how do you spell that name? And I said, oh, I got you. I'm like, H-O-G-O, Hogo. Yes, sounds right. Yeah. Yes. yes, Hogo, Hogan. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Good stuff. You know, and, and Hogan was a pretty uh, a pretty big dude. I mean, yeah, uh, he, he stood 6'6", uh, 6'7", six, 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 uh, you know, went about 300 pounds. And, of course, he started in the late 70s. He actually wrestled a little bit in Japan uh, when, oh, he, yeah. when he first started out. Obviously, the 80s was his decade. Right. And he basically just dominated uh, the 80s. Uh, and then in the 90s, he kind of went a little bit of a different you know, uh, avenue sort of you know changed characters a little bit, kind of became the heel with the uh, as uh, you know as, as he joined the uh, NWO, the New World Order, and he went from the WWF back then and switched over to the WCW. You know, Hogan coming in at number four, I knew he was a lock for top five. Yeah, 
could have easily been number one, you know, right. maybe. Uh, but he comes in at number four, and his finishing move, the big old leg drop. <laughs> I just remember that. Yeah, I loved it. And, again, this was before, you know, you had these high-profile things, you know, the the RKO and all these just <laughs> huge over-the-top moves. <laughs> He was satisfied with the old leg drop. I'm just going. I'm just going. Yeah, I'm just going to drop my leg across your chest, <laughs> and then you're not going to get up. That's it. At number three, we have the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Randy Savage uh, was uh, six foot two, two hundred thirty-seven pounds, and just like Hulk Hogan, this guy could cut a promo. I mean, he would just go into the raspy voice, and just there would be veins popping out of veins. I mean, always like we'd say, "Freak out, freak out, freak out." I like when he would say that. I didn't know what to be freaked out about, but I thought I better do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was freaked out though. I mean, that that happened. Uh, but yeah, he, he's from Columbus, Ohio, and just like Hulk Hogan, his finisher isn't. Too exciting. It's an elbow drop. <laughs> but it's a good one. It's a good one. You know, he'd get on the top rope and come down with the elbow, and, you know, the the person on the receiving end would just flail around like, you know, they had just literally <laughs> went into cardiac arrest, and he's, he's elbowing them in the shoulder. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's over. Yeah. So Macho Man's real name was Randall Mario Pafo. And before he was a professional wrestler, he was a professional baseball player. Uh, he played for the St. Louis Cardinals as a catcher. Now, he was so big, Jason, the <laughs> Macho Man was, that he actually scared other wrestlers, like in the legitimate sense. I mean, he just had this wild look in his eyes. Oh, Lord, yeah, he did. You know? And like you said, he sort of looked like a, a raging walking steroid. <laughs> I mean, he was just a, a big guy. So in the early 1980s, um, Savage's father had started promoting his own regional shows. You know, we talked about some of the regional shows earlier on. And Macho Man was one of the, you know, the early adopters of this. And this actually occurred in the Lexington, Kentucky area. So yeah. very, very close to home. So to draw publicity, Savage and the other wrestlers would sometimes show up to rival shows, threatening some of the other wrestlers, you know, just to kind of say, uh, we're, we're tougher than you. You know, let's let's place money on a bet in a real fight and this just, sort of thing. Just doing a little jawing. Yeah, right. just, just jawing back and forth a little bit. And once a Memphis wrestler named Bill Dundee was so shaken up when Savage <laughs> showed up that he pulled a gun on him. Oh, Lord. Legitimately. Like, he was he was terrified that <laughs> Macho Man was, was being for real and that he was going to beat him up. <laughs> he freaked out, I believe. He freaked out <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, but Macho Man famously uh, took the gun from Bill Dundee and beat him with it. <laughs> so, if you're wondering where the, the freak out you know, came from, I, I believe Bill Dundee was the poster child for the first freak out. <laughs> what, what a story to go around and tell your grandkids is, right. it, is it? I got pistol whipped by the Macho Man. <laughs> That's good stuff. Oh, man. Macho Man's great. Now, one of his famous rivalries was with Jake the Snake Roberts, another man on this list who was uh, well known for the time. And to intensify his rivalry with Jake the Snake, Macho Man allowed the snake to bite him on the arm during a match. So, oh, my God. Now, obviously, they worked this out beforehand. Um, <laughs> I'm sure some, some papers were signed. <laughs> some right? papers were signed. The snake was de-venomed, you know, so <laughs> theoretically. But, but here's the interesting thing about it. 
after it happened, five days later, Savage was in the hospital and he had a 104 degree fever. Oh, Lord. So, you know, obviously something happened here. I, I guess the, the snake, even though he was devenomed, must have still had some bacteria. Some I, sure, I don't know. Because it's a snake. That's right. It's, it's a snake. And again, like we said, it's as well trained as Damien may have been. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's he's uh, at the end. Snakes are going to go snake. Yeah. yeah. Snakes going to do what snakes going to do. <laughs> That's right. So Savage lived, uh, but the snake didn't actually. <laughs> it died a few days later. And, and Savage told IGN in 2004 that he, meaning the snake, was devenomized, but maybe I, Macho Man, wasn't. <laughs> All right, so wait a minute. So you're telling me that he he took a gun from someone that was pulled on him, and then he pistol whipped the guy. He sure did. And then a few years later, <laughs> he killed a snake because the snake bit That's him. Right. Yeah, this it's this a, happened. Freak out! Freak out! Freak out! That's all I got to say. I could just see him uh, setting the snake up for the big elbow drop. You know, <laughs> snake's like, oh, where am I? That's right. Oh man, Macho Man Randy Savage. Wow, cool guy. At number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Steve Austin was born in Austin, Texas, and he measured in at six foot two, two hundred and fifty pounds. And Steve Austin started as Stunning Steve Austin in the early nineties in the WCW, but in nineteen ninety five he signed with the WWE and rebranded himself as Stone Cold Steve Austin. His character was very much uh, that of the anti-hero. Uh, he was rude, vulgar, drank ba- uh, beer, and, and basically just used wrestling as a means to just tell society what he thought about people, Shannon. <laughs> it was right. sort of like, well, I'm here. I might as well do it here. Right? Yeah, yeah. I could, it could have been a car wash or wrestling. <laughs> right. I'm going to tell you what I think about you. You know, and Like Ric Flair, he won multiple championships uh, and could give one heck uh, of an interview. He could, yeah. yeah. He, he brought wrestling to life to me. I mean, before that, we had these crazy gimmicks characters, you know, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Randy Savage. But somehow, you know, and then looking back, it's it's probably not the case, but Steve Austin just seemed so real and authentic. Oh, like, yeah. Like I he mean, was just, just a dude down from the, a different mold. Yeah, it's like the dude down the street. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, uh, do you want to go maybe change the oil in my car or do you want to go to the wrestling? Let's go to the wrestling. I'll tell him what I think <laughs> about right. it. You know what I mean? And the glass shatters. Yeah. And here I mean, he comes. He was just a tough dude. It wasn't yeah. really a wrestler. It's just, I'm just going to physically beat you into submission. Right. You know, you know, he caught a lot of flack for not actually wrestling uh, a lot of times because he, he didn't do a lot of technical like suplexes no. or pile drivers or be- submission moves. He would just get somebody in the corner and just stomp a mud hole in them. <laughs> just beat you to death. That's right. Stone cold, baby. And number one on our list is The Undertaker. Jason, that music means business, sir. To me, it means run. <laughs> when you hear the big gong, just those, those just bells, man. Yeah. Just, just scary, scary stuff. And I love that. I mean, obviously, all these theme songs are geared to provoke an emotion like almost immediately <laughs> right. when you hear them. But this one, more than any of the others, just created suspense. And it was eerie. Right. And they would turn the lights down. And there was this blue light that was kind of cast on the ring and then you'd see the undertaker just sort of emerge and just kind of had this deadpan stare and just he wouldn't strut 
No. He wouldn't dance up and down the aisles. He he wasn't going to like smack high fives to people in the no. audience. He would just stare down the ring and he would mark a straight path. <laughs> and then he would he would get up on the apron and step over top of the top <laughs> row. Still, still staring. <laughs> still yeah. staring. Yeah. And then he'd just kind of stand there and, and wait for whatever poor <laughs> fool was, was coming down. <laughs> coming down next uh, but he was 309 pounds six foot ten but he was often billed as being seven foot you know right. they, they called him seven foot a lot of times he was from houston texas i think sometimes they said he was from parts unknown you know but officially he, he was from houston <laughs> yeah, I, I like it better with uh, if, if he's from parts unknown right that's yeah. even creepier <laughs> Uh, his finisher was the Tombstone Piledriver, and they they st- had to stop him from doing this for a while. I don't know if you uh, if you ever heard this, but this is a move where basically you would turn the person completely upside down and sort of put your your arms around their waist and then just drop to your knees and slam their head into the ground. <laughs> and apparently, it's hard to fake that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, well, I'd imagine so. <laughs> that caused a few concussions, a few uh, necks getting broken, yeah. you know, so they had to stop doing that for a little while. But his real name is Mark William Calloway, not not The Undertaker. I didn't know you that. Know, I thought he was like Undertaker Jones or <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> something like that. Uh, he, he did go by several other names before he became The Undertaker. He was Texas Red, The Punisher, Punisher Dice Morgan, Commando, Mean Mark Callis, and I kid you not, Kane the Undertaker. Really? Yeah. Yeah. For a little while, he was Kane the Undertaker. And this was the gimmick that would eventually become the Undertaker proper. But they thought that the announcers would struggle to call him the Undertaker. So they gave him an actual name spelled with a K, just like, uh, you know, his quote unquote brother. Wow. (laughs) That's kind of cool. I didn't realize that. That is cool. Now, they the, the announcers just called him the Undertaker. So it didn't appear very much. You know, it's just something in the background that some people knew, you know, concerning the Undertaker. Uh, Something else interesting about the Undertaker is he's one of the few wrestlers who actually fought and defeated himself. (laughs) Say it again. In the early 1990s, uh, Undertaker was dealing with a few back injuries, you know, real life back injuries, uh, and he had to step out for a while. So the WWE introduced a fake Undertaker during that time, played by Brian Lee. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You okay. I just went blank for a minute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was legendary. Okay. Was I, just, cool. I just went blank for a minute. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So uh, they had the fake Undertaker. He he would come out, and I think Ted DiBiase, you know, the million, the million dollar, dollar man. man. Yeah. He he was bringing him out, and they'd wrestle. And eventually, though, the Undertaker got well, and he he came back. And and when he returned, oh, <laughs> he feuded with himself. Right. You know, for a while, uh, and he actually defeated himself at SummerSlam 1990. <laughs> That's how good he was, right? That's right. I bet people's heads just exploded when they oh, saw man. when they saw that. I loved it, and and by the I mean, time I was marketing. getting, yeah, yeah, and by the time I was getting into wrestling, you know, this time period had sort of already passed. But I remember going to my local video store and renting. You could get these VHS cassettes. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Of, of the older pay per view matches because growing up we we didn't really have pay per view. We, we'd no. always just kind of hear what happened on Monday Night right. Raw the next day, right? Like like the uh, like a Royal Rumble, the Survivor Series, That's right. SummerSlam, WrestleMania, I think yeah, all, all those, those things. Yeah. Uh, but you could rent the the VHS tapes, you know, whenever they come out, right. like a month later or whatever. And I went and I, I watched this, and man, it's pretty cool. It really yeah. was because.
because as you can imagine, they they had identical entrances. I mean, it was like, boom, here would come one of them, yeah. and then boom, here, here would come, come the, the other one. And they would just stare each other down to start out the match. One would kind of do this uh, uppercut thing that The Undertaker was known for, and then the other one would return the favor, and uh, one of them would walk across the top rope. I don't know if you remember this. The Undertaker would, would take someone's arm, and, and they, <laughs> he would walk across the top rope while he was holding their arm, and then he would come down and just like karate chop them. You know? Yeah. But he was like seven foot tall. I mean, just the athleticism to like oh, it's walk a tightrope. Yeah. You know, while holding on to someone and then Being to jump off. And as far as I know, he like never fell down. That would be a prime opportunity just to embarrass yourself silly. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? You're you're the, the phenom. You're the seven foot monster who prides himself on being evil and apparently undead <laughs> and then you just kind of straddle the top row right, <laughs> yeah. just got to knock yourself out uh, but he never did but in this match yeah they went back and forth and eventually the real undertaker prevailed and the uh, the fake undertaker was no more so wow. jason you have any memories of the undertakers he he won that you would imagine would have ranked so well, high I remember, as number yeah one, I, I, I figured he would be top five I, I have a friend that that really hoped that he finished number one and uh <laughs> so uh so i'm sure he's going to be happy but yeah i figured he would finish top five i didn't know if he would finish number one or not but he did but wildly popular but just so obscure yeah i mean you know when you think about all these wrestlers all the the interviews and they were so flamboyant and and all the you know just all the pomp and circumstance around him and the music he was a straight shooter he was just total polar opposite that yeah. i mean you know basically never spoke and mm-hmm. just sort of this dead stare all the time i remember the 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 uh the one match where the lights come on and of course his hat you oh know, yeah the, the undertaker's hat sort of in the middle of the ring there. oh yeah yeah I, I remember that yeah he, he said several times when he's like disappeared and then yeah. mysteriously came back i think he got buried alive one time oh, he was yeah. out and probably on vacation Cal- somewhere Cal- in hawaii Cal- 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 <laughs> Poe would like write his scripts or <laughs> that's something, right you yeah. know and then he'd, he'd appear back and and yeah but he's probably one of my favorite if not my favorite uh wrestler yeah. of all time so coming in number one yeah he was he was at the top of my list so jason i have i don't have any more uh, material do you have anything else to add about professional wrestlers I don't think so. I think I had to make this go home and uh, see if someone wants the uh, figure four slapped on them. I don't know. <laughs> Outside of that, I, I don't think so. Well, it's not me, if you're wondering. Not me. <laughs> not it. <laughs> well, we want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, you can connect with us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle at slap pod. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Take care, everybody.